Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. It's episode 139. We're recording on Tuesday evening. It's uh, Steve here with Brandon and Jimmy. The only real news that's broken since the last time we recorded a week ago is really Rasmus Christensen arriving on loan from Leeds to play right back. Other than that, it's pretty much been rumors, guys. I mean, this is silly season. We've got plenty of rumors. It feels like the same names keep getting recycled, so you'd have to think there's some truth to those rumors. And... uh, I guess we'll kick it off with the the, the striker position because that's where most of the uh, links have been in the past couple of days. Yesterday, apparently, Tiago Pinto met with Alvaro Morata's entourage. Today, Inter met with him. Apparently, both clubs are deeming the the demands. Uh, I don't know if it's from the player, uh, Atletico, or both too excessive right now. And uh, attention's turned back to Gianluca Scamacca. And Jimmy, you just posted an update. I don't know, less than an hour ago about uh, Scamacca, maybe being a possibility on loan now from West Ham. Maybe they're more open to that, you know, option after selling Declan Rice for over a hundred million euros. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's all obviously a question of so many moving parts in the transfer window, especially for a club like Roma. And let's just be honest for Serie A clubs in general. Uh, I think that there's just a lot of movements that have to wait on big clubs in the premier league making moves. Um, and that's not even to qualify West Ham in that way. But as you mentioned, the Declan Wright sale for 100 million pounds, that gives West Ham a lot more financial flexibility to go make moves and get the ideal striker for their manager, as opposed to Skamaka, who, you know, actually had a pretty good goal per minute ratio at West Ham last season, but never seemed to tactically fit with what uh, David Moyes wanted. Uh, so the rumor now is that uh, Roma should be able to get him on a loan with either an option or an option that could turn into an obligation. Um, basically not a straight transfer, which given Roma's current attempts to kind of excavate itself from the, uh, excrement mountain that was, uh, created on, in the books by, uh, the Pelota era and the Monchi era, uh, you know, that's really commendable. It's what the club needs to be doing. So I would expect, I'm hope this is what I've been hoping for the entire time, honestly, that Rome was able to sign Skamaka on a deal that would become permanent if and when Roma achieves Champions League football at the end of this season. Uh, you can set that fee to, you know, probably 30 to 35 million euros, which would be his, around his valuation right now. And uh, that would not be a problem if Roma does qualify for the Champions League. But you don't want to be on the foot on the bill for that type of transfer fee if you're not getting Champions League football. So I think that's the best situation for everyone involved. Uh, and I'm hopeful that it does turn out that way. Uh, another rumor that we should probably discuss a little bit is the idea that, you know, it's not just Skamaka that Roma's trying to bring in, but you've mentioned Morata already. And of course, this could be contingent on him having, if he has insane salary demands or if there have been rumors about Atletico Madrid telling people that there's one transfer release clause yeah. and uh, and their agents telling people that there's a different release clause and uh, who's to say what's going on there. It's not exactly unheard of for uh, Spanish clubs to be a little bit wishy-washy with the details on transfers. Uh, uh, but given that, uh, the rumor mill from Sky Sports, so, you know, relatively dependable, 
uh, has said that Roma's trying to get two forwards in, which makes sense when you look at the forward lineup right now. I mean, it's, what, Tammy Abraham, who is going to be out until at least March or April of 2024. And then it's Andrea Bellotti, who didn't have a single goal uh, in Serie A last season. He had some in the Europa League, but still, uh, no Serie A goals for a guy who used to be the capo Cononiere. So looking at this from Roma's perspective, it makes sense that they'd try to bring in two strikers if they can. Uh, because although Roma does have some interesting attacking prospects coming up through the Primavera, you don't want to throw players in like that. So if you're able to build up through loans a Scamaca Morata or, you know, a Scamaca somebody else uh, front line, that really should put Roma in a great place going forward on the attacking end. Of course, that's what I said when we signed Andrea Bellotti to pair with Tammy Abraham and Nicolo Zaniolo uh, last summer. So what do I know? We could, it could totally be egg on our face sooner rather than later, but it does give me cause for optimism. Yeah. The, the, the whole transfer fee release clause on Morata is interesting. We had a question uh, for one of our listeners mixed in, in the whole bunch that we're going to go through. And it, and one of them was like, what is the real <laughs> exit clause in his contract? I read 21, I think. And in one report, another one was it 10 and, yada, 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 but it doesn't seem like Roma definitely is, or Inter for the matter is willing to go to 21, and I don't blame them for a 30-year-old Morata. Morata doesn't really excite me much. I, I talked about this last week, um, but that's a big a difference. Of, he's got a lot of top, top flight experience and not just top flight experience, but top flight experience at big clubs. Yeah. And so I would say for $10 million, that's a reasonable fee for a backup player of that age with that ability. Uh, I would not throw 21 million euros at Morata. I don't think Roma will. I don't think Inter will. And Inter has shown a willingness to spend stupid money on things before uh, that Roma, this this version of Roma hasn't necessarily shown. So my guess is that if it's a 10 million fee, like we thought that he might come in. Otherwise I wouldn't be surprised if Roma brought in a, uh, either a different loan option, something along the lines of a Sabitzer who I assume we'll talk about as well. Uh, but like I'm saying like a Sabitzer equivalent for, the striker position because if we're being real as i said before roma kind of has to be a second mover behind let's just be honest the premier league uh but beyond that uh the way that the financial structures of so many major clubs are is working right now is that they just sign pretty much anybody that they can and they say well worst case scenario we loan them out when they're kind of crappy uh and so even crappy by that standard doesn't mean that they're, you know, not champions league level strikers or just might not be world beaters. And I'm sure that there'll be somebody that Roma can snatch up uh, to pair with Skamaka if the Skamaka signing does. Yeah. So if it comes down to one or the other, Brandon, we were asked by a couple listeners preference, who, who's your preference? Uh, I think I lean Skamaka just because of the age and, um, I know Marat, Jimmy mentioned that Marata has all the top flight experience and he's been on big clubs. He played with Dybala before. He played for Madrid, Chelsea. Um, but as Steve mentioned, being 30 years old, um, reportedly would be coming in on at least four and a half million from what I've seen so far. I don't know if you guys have seen any other numbers, but um, I think at that figure, uh, it might be a little too cost prohibitive for Roma, especially because Tammy is coming back at some point. Uh, I know we've often discussed that he's one of the more likely candidates for the exit door, but returning from an ACL injury, uh, 
you know, that that's going to take some time, obviously. And then who knows what kind of Tammy we're going to get. Is he, is he going to even have suitors um, chomping at the bit for him a year removed from his surgery that time will tell, but so you'll still have him on the books. And I think just, you know, adding Marata um, and, you know, Bolotti is getting up there as well. Um, so I just think the combination of all those factors kind of makes me a little more hesitant compared to Skamaka where um, you might have to negotiate a higher fee with West Ham down the road. But uh, as was mentioned earlier, if, if it's tied to Champions League qualification and Roma do in fact qualify um, with goals from Skamaka, um, I'm sure they'd be more than happy to, to fulfill that obligation um, or take up that option, whatever it ends up being structured as. So I think the youth, the, the, the talent, the Roman connection, I think all of that just uh, has me a little bit more in favor of Skamaka. Yeah, I agree. For, for all, all the reasons mentioned, I think Skamaka to me has a high, higher upside, the, the Roma connection. Um, you know, if you do qualify for Champions League and lock him in <clears throat> at a reasonable rate, he's a guy you could lean on possibly for the next five plus years if he sticks around. Um, whereas Morata, plenty of experience, you know, consistent like 12 goal guy, but it doesn't like jump off the page at you. I don't know. Um, so I, I would lead Skamaka too. Do, do we want to go full conspiracy theory and um, say that Roma might be in the in play for Lukaku now that that's all? <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. I hope that not. Is, that is quite the situation there. Um, <laughs> man, talk about the, the, the interview from a couple of years ago right before he went back to Inter, I think when he was, when he was literally at Chelsea, um, that he would never play for, you know, Milan or Juve. And, and now here he is negotiating behind Inter's back with Juve. That's that's a whole other topic of conversation for like a, a pod of Inter supporters, I guess. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a special insider edition. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, we were also asked if, you know, one of these two doesn't come to fruition, what are other potential striker options? Um I haven't really heard much lately. I know like Inzola was mentioned earlier in the summer and, and a couple guys like that, but I haven't heard much lately. What, what about you guys? I haven't heard much about Inzola. That's true. Um, I'm kind of surprised because obviously, you know, it's not like Spezia is that great of a place to be. And he impressed enough that you'd think that he would be go- going elsewhere, especially at age 26. Uh, but yeah, I haven't heard much. What about you, Brandon? No, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I decided to play uh, Fantasy GM and wrote a piece on how Roma should make a play for Sadio Mane to fill that hole, and that's kind of uh, speaks to how little rumors there are uh, outside of the Skamaka and Murata, um links. So, yeah, aside from the... In Zola, as you mentioned, and the two that we've discussed already, it's kind of been slim pickings in the striker department. The idea behind the Mane piece not only had to do with um, his situation at Bayern, where they're kind of ushering him out the exit door and could be a situation that a club capitalizes on. I don't think it'd be next to impossible for Roma to be that club, but I think... uh, you know, the idea behind it was that there there could be an opportunity for Roma to take advantage of a little bit more of an aging player, a short-term option, 
um, that would be the ideal cover for Tammy while he's out. Um, and then Tammy can get back up to speed um, as, as X player ages um, out of the squad. But so it'll, it, you know, it remains to be seen who that player could be. That might be a little bit more of a realistic option than Sadio Mane, especially if um, Morata and Skamaka fall through. Hopefully they don't and Roma um, have that squad depth in place as, as preseason starts to get underway. But I think as the summer rolls on, if we don't have any new names pop up, um, we'll, we're more likely to see Pinto try and take advantage of um, one of those situations at a bigger club where a star player isn't maybe getting as much playing time as they would like. Yeah, I could definitely see that if, uh, you know, the Scamaco move doesn't work out and the Morata move doesn't work out. It might be something that we just didn't see coming, right? Somebody buys a player and then somebody becomes expendable. One of those types of situations that Roma kind of pounces um, if, if, if the opportunity presents itself. But with so much seemingly coming from like really reliable sources like DeMarzio, it, it leads me to believe one of these two guys will end up in Rome. Um, and, and I think either one would be a, a, a solid fit for what Mourinho wants and, you know, what, what Roma needs. Skamaka a little more exciting, I think, for the reasons we mentioned, but, you know, it could do a lot worse than Morata. We'll put it that way, I guess. Um, we had one listener question, actually. Uh, he threw out there pretty much, you know, why didn't they take a run at uh, Ed Jekyll one last time? Red Six said, you know, no idea if it was ever a possibility, but given Roma's struggle signing a forward, are we surprised they didn't go after Jekyll on a free-for-one last season? Uh, I'm not surprised. I think I think that chapter was just kind of a, a closed book at this point in his career. Yeah, I- you could make the argument maybe if uh, the current regime wasn't in place, but it's the same regime that was in place when he left um, and kind of caught them by surprise when he, when he left as, as has been reported. So, uh, and given his age, I just think it was the longest of long shots um, and not something that I would be particularly keen on anyway, even though he was a great servant to the club while he was here. Yeah, Yeah. My general feeling on him is that, you know, I've got a lot of respect for him. I'm happy that, you know, he's been able to find success post-Roma because, you know, he's adding on the years. Um, but at the same time, I've never been a fan of the idea of, you know, long-term servants to the club returning. Uh, I'm not including, you know, academy graduates who went on to be able to actually get minutes elsewhere. I'm talking about guys like Jake who or, you know, Nangolin was the guy that people always came up in the rumors about a return um back in the late 2010s and to me i've never liked the idea of those things i think it's the same logic that you sometimes apply to like you know trying to make it like you have a relationship with somebody and then you break up and then you start dating again it doesn't really work as most of the time um and that that, that's not to say anything bad about the person that you might have been dating or it says that it's not to say anything bad about the person who was at roma it's just you know i think that when it chapter's over a chapter's over yeah agreed so another player whose whose chapter might might be coming to an end is leo spinatola he was linked recently with a 10 million euro move to saudi arabia uh not as rich of a contract as the other players we've seen those those links have kind of quieted in the last few days but we we definitely had a few listener questions in cooley uh on twitter we had saint nicholas on the the boards and and another uh listener on the boards uh, all asking uh, Red Six also about Spinazzola. You know, is ten million enough? Should Roma sell him at all? Who are possible replacements? Like, what's the risk behind selling him? 
Um, most of the, the listeners that asked these questions mentioned that they thought he had a pretty decent season coming off that injury. Uh, what do you guys think? I know the, the 10 million really springs from the fact that he's out of contract at the end of the season. Me personally, I like him. I'd like to see him back. I'd like to see maybe a two year extension or something. If Roma could do it at a reasonable rate. Um, cause I do think there's, there's risk involved there because the Lefsky is the backup and he's not even a wing back. Like, like we've discussed so many times. So what do you guys, what are your thoughts on Spina's old possibly being sold for only 10 million euros? First off, I'm going to say continuity is important and it's frustrating to me that sometimes people just want to like ditch a player, uh, because there's like one offer on the table for them. Uh, I think that especially in a position where we've had a stunning lack of depth for as long as I can remember. Spinatola has been injured quite a lot. It's true. But when he has played, he's a, he's definitely been our best left backs of the past. What Steve, you'd probably say the last decade, right? Like, I feel like he's been our best left left back. Um, yeah. I mean, Kolarov had a couple of really good years when he first came. Yeah, that's but, true. Uh... That's true. Um, I would put him and Kolarov in the same sentence then. Like, I'd say that those two have been by far Roma's two best left backs. Um, I, as opposed to the center back position where, you know, I feel like those talents seem to grow on trees for Roma, fullbacks are hard to find to the point where we're putting Zalewski, who by all accounts is an attacker in the wing back position. And it's not been great, in my opinion, for his development. Uh, so given that, if anything, I still want us to sign a left back. I don't want us to lose one because, again, that would probably set us up to continue seeing the Zalewski at left wing back experiment, which hasn't been terrible, but I think it's just not using him to the best of his abilities. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, that the depth is the biggest point that I would make, but I would also just add that, you know, we've been waiting for Spinazzola to recapture that Euro form for um, going on a couple of years now after that horrible injury that he suffered. And while that may not be, um, you know, uh, the height that he ever reaches again, I think that he still uh, adds a lot of value to the team, not just in the depth department, but uh, what he can do to on the pitch, you know, you can, you still see him beat his man. Maybe um, it's not as electric or as consistent as it, as it seemed to be at the euros, but um you know, he, he still has that pace that is vital and not a lot of players on the squad seem to have. So would be reluctant to lose that. Um, and then, uh, and on top of that, I would like to see him, him come back beyond just, just for this season. Um, I'm hoping for something similar to the El Shirari deal where he comes back, maybe not in the role that, you know, you dream of, um, but for the love of the club and, the project that's going on, you're willing to come back and um, stay a few more years. So I, I would like to see that, but um, you know, it's Roma are, their hands are tied by the, by their financial predicament. So if a $10 million offer is coming, well, I think that figure is a bit low, especially with the crazy figures that we've seen thrown around. I think they have to think about it, but ultimately I do hope he stays. Yeah, agreed. And uh, I, the only link I've seen to the left back, um, I saw it yesterday actually on uh, ForzaRoma.info, which is run by Gazette de la Sport. The only link I've seen recently at a left back was Borna Sosa. Of, uh, he's Croatian. He plays for Stuttgart right now, 25 years old. They say he's valued at 15 million euros would be a, a potential replacement. And I don't know anything about the player, but that's just one, one name I saw linked 
to Roma uh, in the last couple of days if, if um, Spinazzola does go. And I, I guess this brings us to uh, an interesting question that we got on the boards. Uh, let me just pull it up and bounce some back and forth here. Um, everybody calm down, S. And he said, Saudi money is starting to play into the transfer market in ways similar to China a few years back, mainly big names who are past their prime or at least on their way out. SCS is a guy who left as a superstar to go for a foreign non-EU league to get a payday, and then he lost his national team standing and came back two years later as a super sub and now taking less money to be in a location where he wants to be. I would be interested in your opinion on if Saudi will be a flash in the pan like China or eventually usurp some of the traditional powerhouses simply because of the money involved. Thanks as always for the great and free content. Uh, interesting question um, because we saw China do this, not to the extent uh, and caliber of players, I'd say, um, that Saudi Arabia is doing it now, really, because Cristiano Ronaldo went there, really started kind of that domino effect. And, you know, according to him, where he goes, everybody wants to go in a recent interview to, to kind of like um, paraphrase his words. So do you guys, what do you see uh, with the Saudi Arabian League and, and the effect on the Mercado maybe longer term than just this summer? Uh, I'll take this one. I think um, I think with China, the, if I if I recall correctly, the government stepped in and kind of put regulations in place that put a halt to all the crazy spending. And so that was kind of the death knell for that um, experiment, whereas the... Um, you know the opposite seems to be taking place here, where where the where the government is, uh, I think, has an interest now in the four biggest teams at least, and so is helping facilitate some of these transfers. So, um, in terms of longevity, I could see, based on that fact, it being a little bit longer lasting. But um, in terms of the players that they're bringing in, yeah, it's you know you have your Ronaldo's, your Benzema's, two Ballon d'Or winning. Ballon d'Or winners, but at the end of the day, they're at the tail ends of their career. So, um, you know, as we've seen with MLS bringing in Beckham all those years ago, yeah, it does increase the exposure and the market marketability. But at the end of the day, does it increase the amount of viewers um, that are tuning into your league? And so, as they keep adding players, that that will certainly increase. But I just think that. Um, at the end of the day, most players, they're still going to think that their bread and butter is um, in Europe where you have the opportunity to play for the Champions League and play in all these prestigious competitions. Um, and so while, while, this, while the Saudi League isn't there yet and they very well could be in the future, I know Ronaldo predicted that they would be a top five league down the road. I don't know how soon that will be. Um but just in the general sense of longevity, I, I definitely think it will last longer than the China experiment. Yeah, I tend to think that the ambitions of the, the Saudis, too, is to host a World Cup in the, in the not-so-distant future. And I think that plays a lot into this. Um, and that's why the government, I think, is throwing money at big names to really even do more than Qatar did. Right? Qatar didn't have the league structure that the Saudis now have and the money behind it to kind of get the attention of you know, people who maybe vote on these things and, and just fans in general. It'll be interesting to see, but I, I do think it has a longer staying power than the China, you know, stuff that was going on if the government stays behind it, because we know just how oil rich that country is and how much money the, the you know, the, the government has from, you know, selling petroleum pretty much. And um, as long as they can keep doing that, they'll, they'll have plenty of money coming in and, and they're going to make that big push for a, a World Cup bid. And I think that has a lot to do with it. 
I really hope not. I'm really trying to go to Portugal and Spain and Morocco. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that I saw as a bid, right? It's that and then yeah. the um, the Uruguay joint bid with a couple South American nations, which makes, yeah. I guess, a lot of sense because that's the centennial, right, of the of the original World Cup, 1930, so which was played in, in Uruguay. So Yeah, I there, can't remember. There's some sentimental all the, there. Yeah, I can't remember all the countries involved in that bid, but that – yeah, I just had it pulled up. It's actually um, Uruguay, Argentina, Paraguay, and Chile. So basically all of like the southern half of South America there, south of Brazil pretty much, and west of Brazil, I guess. Um, so that would be interesting too. Uh, joint bids, bids seem to be the way of the future now because they're trying to get more countries involved. Like we saw what happened with, um, you know, Qatar might be the last single nation one because we have the, the, the North American one coming to the States and Canada and Mexico in, in a few years. So... Interesting to see if uh, the Saudis uh, kind of leverage this to a World Cup bid. But we'll take a quick break here, and then we'll come back with plenty more listener questions and topics. All right, so moving on from the Saudi League, let's talk more about Roma's Mercato. And we had a question asking if, you know, Sabitzer would pretty much round out Roma's midfield if, it was, if he would complete it. Um, meanwhile, we had, I, I saw another one from AS Roma fan six on the boards today, just in reference to Sabitzer. Byron had a friendly today, won 27 to nothing and Sabitzer had five goals. So he's not coming to Roma, not kidding. 27 to no- nothing. Um, what are our other midfield options? So we could answer both questions though. The one about Sabitzer, if he does come, um, which seems unlikely, um, uh, according to AS Roma fan six and you know, what other options are there if he doesn't come? Well, we've talked about Nico Dominguez um, before. Uh, I think that he could be an interesting uh, midfield signing for the club and also apparently not necessarily that expensive. Uh, mm-hmm. That 10 million euro fee being bandied about for him uh, seems like the type of fee that this club can afford to do at the moment. You know, we're, we're not able to cash out, you know, 40 million euros right now for a uh, John Lucas Kamaka straight up, but it does seem like a 10 to 15 million euro fee is in our price range. Uh, this is less of a midfield and Sabitzer sense, but uh, there have also been a pretty consistent stream of rumors linking Roma to uh, Empoli's Tommaso Baldanzi, uh, who would be more of a Dybala sub slash injury insurance type of player. Uh, I don't know if you guys watch much of the Italian youth teams, or if you were watching Empoli much last season. But just in general, uh, he's been quite impressive. He's only 20 years old and uh, was really kind of a perfect attacking midfielder that you could really see developing into a Dybala type over time. Uh, So that's not necessarily what we're thinking of when we're talking about Sabitzer, but if we're talking about midfield signings, I think it's also important to mention that when we're talking about kind of the next generation of uh, talents who are going to be coming up from the Primavera, that a lot of those really exciting talents for this next generation are midfield talents. So I would imagine that part of the discussion that Roma wants to have right now and probably is happening among Tiago Pinto and the scouts is this concept of what do we value more? Do we value bringing in a Sabitzer or something like that? Or do we want to give some of these younger players like Giacomo Faticanti, or I believe his name is Pisili, um, mm-hmm. or Pagano, one of those three guys. Those All of them have been quite 
highly praised and been going through the Italian youth system alongside the Primavera system. So I would imagine that's also part of the discussion that, hey, if we sign a midfielder on loan right now, that can allow for a Bove to continue to develop. That can allow for, you know, a Faticanti to become a member of the senior team, things like that. They're, this club is trying to be built in a wise way and financially speaking and, and making sure that academy graduates have a space in the senior team if they're impressive enough is definitely one of the ways that you do wise team building. Yeah, and shout out just real quick before Brandon goes to Fadi Conti and Pisili and the recently sold Filippo Misori, part of the U19 team that won the Euros on Sunday. So um, those players and Fadi Conti and, and Misori were the two captains throughout the tournament. So shout out to Roma's youth system for, you know, um, preparing those players for, for Italy. And, and they're in the forefront of the, the U19 setup there and hopefully moving forward with Roma and further up the U21 and maybe the senior squad. But um, <clears throat> I do think Dominguez, too, is a is, is growing, I think, as an option because you, we see the Renato Sanchez links. He's apparently still the preference from some reports you read. Other reports, it's Savitzer's the guy. Other reports, it's DePaul's kind of been quieter. And then you see the Dominguez links. Um, I think Savitzer would complete the midfield. I think he has a different option. It's funny because as I pulled up Dominguez's card in FB, uh, reference they kind of give similar players to that player and they give like 10 names and some of the names that are on that those 10 you know some are from, some are players i don't really know that well um from like sevilla and uh valadoid and from spain and, and teams like that but henrik mkhitaryan marcel sabitzer and yuri tillmans are are on that list of 10 and those are all players that either roma had or has been linked with i think even douglas louise who's on there Roma was linked with before he moved to villa last summer so he fits that profile that it seems like a lot of these players that uh, Roma's been linked with kind of fit. Um, so Dominguez would not surprise me, especially at that price tag, like you mentioned, Jim. And it, there's apparently some interest in um, Solbach and from Bologna. So maybe even a swap deal of some sort could be a potential if Roma has, you know, more attacking players coming in. I can't believe after all that Solbach and transfer drama, He's yeah. Potentially in the club. Yeah, that, that would be interesting. I don't think that happens. I just don't. That doesn't. That, that so seems quick to me like happens. a silly season thing. Like it has to can't, be. Yeah, like that just seems like a hey, who has some value on this squad right now that Roma actually wouldn't maybe mind selling too much? And I think that Solbakken really is one of the few guys that's not either un- completely untouchable or like not necessarily worth too much. We've got a yeah. very polarized squad in terms of valuations right now. Whereas Solbakken, you know, he probably could go for like 5 million euros right now. But like, does Roma want to sell him that quickly? I doubt it. Yeah, you don't want to sell him without unleashing gold Bakken for a whole <laughs> Serie A season. Yeah, I agreed. And, and agreeing with what you were talking about with Baldanzi and these young players, Jimmy, um, on Twitter, Mateus De Mato said, I think we should focus on younger players to develop like Baldanzi instead of older players like DePaul or players uninterested like uh, Renato Sanchez. We're not expecting to win the Serie A, so we might as well develop players with lower wages. Well, no, our thoughts. One thing I will say, though, about winning Serie A, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying Roma's a you know, Serie A winner right now with the way the roster is currently constructed, but think about what Napoli did last season. And the losses they have with Kim and Spalletti and potentially 
Carvacellia, um, big Newcastle bid apparently may be happening. You know, you look at how they won the league out of nowhere last year. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility if Roma brings in the right striker and right midfielder that they can't be in the mix. Um, so that would be my only hesitation in saying, well, we got to develop young because if you have Jose Mourinho there, we've said this before on the podcast, you want to give him all the tools he can to possibly win. I know top four is the stated goal, but you, you know, I'd be damned if uh, Jose Mourinho is within a few points of the Scudetto down the stretch if he doesn't put every egg in that basket if he can possibly win it. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I think when you have Mourinho, you have to maximize, um, you know, having him. Uh, so I think while it is great to infuse, to blend youth uh, with the experience and offer these youngsters um, some time with the first team to, to get their feet wet and hopefully um, make somewhat of an impact. I think your you know, the meat of your squad needs to be players that obviously it's not going to be Mourinho's Chelsea and inter squads, but uh, the, the Roma equivalent of that, where um, you, you stockpile as many quality players as you can um, that, fit the bill with what the way Mourinho wants to play. And then you go from there um, and you maximize his time here, but we are also in year three in the project. And so unless he signs an extension, you would guess that this is probably his last year. Um, And so, you know, when you, when you look at that, you can make the argument that, well, he's going to be gone in a year's time. So might as well focus on, uh, the youth, but that that's looking at it through the lens of Roma not being a Scudetto contender. So if you're able to bring in a few more pieces this summer and, and bolster the squad, maybe maybe they do pull a Napoli and make something happen. Um, and I'll, the cherry on top of that for me will just be uh, to say that Pinto Isco is coming back out of the woodwork. Looking oh yeah, you, Isco <laughs> drama apparently at Sevilla, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. For the unaware, Isco came out with an interview. Uh, I believe it was yesterday where he uh, accused Monchi of basically going for his throat and called Monchi and said that he called Monchi the biggest liar in football. So. Yeah. Hey, he welcome would, to Rome, he would, Isco. Yeah, yeah. He would ingratiate himself well to Roma fans. Yeah, <laughs> I guess my opinion on the, this whole thing about finding the balance between youth and experience is that I don't think it's really like a, I don't think it's a binary choice. Um, I think that part of it was due to necessity last season, but part of it was also due to ability that we saw younger players get chances. And I think that that's completely feasible to, if you sign players who are, you know, clearly knocking on the door of, if not stardom being a above average Serie A player like Tommaso Baldanzi. Um, and if you give players that you know in your system are very promising a chance, like that's not always going to be the worst case. That'll be a really good thing for Roma, um, Roma's chances in the league. Uh, but you also have to find balance there between those youth players and experience. And I think that that's where, in all honesty, sometimes these loan deals will be helpful. That if you've got a guy that you know, you're probably not going to bring in – on a permanent basis like we can talk about how annoying it was that Ginny Wijnaldum didn't really get a chance to play a full season with Roma uh, and how that injury that happened because of a Primavera player uh, just 
kicking the hell out of his ankle uh, derailed his season and to a certain extent Roma's season more broadly. But at least on a leadership level, you have to imagine that Eduardo Bove learned a thing or two from Wijnaldum while he was here. Uh, and you have to imagine that having that type of winner uh, around the club helps build a strong mentality. And so I guess I would just say in general that you can find the balance. And I'm pretty confident that that's what Roma is trying to do here. Uh, finding the balance between the established stars, between, between players like Nemanja Matic, even Paolo Dybala to a certain extent, and uh, younger players who can produce now but will also produce even more later. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think you're right. I think there has to be a balance, and I, I think Roma is looking to find that. I think even if like if they were to find a way to get Baldanzi in for I don't know what the, the rumors are, ten to fifteen million euros or whatever it might be, if they have to compete with Juve, I do think you still see a, a move for a Sanchez or a Sabitzer or a Dominguez, somebody else that's got more experience at this point and a, a different profile too. I think if you buy a Baldanzi, it's with an eye for the future and just like an opportunistic buy and a guy you could develop down the road but I do think they need somebody who's going to fit more of that central midfield role right now. And I think that's why you see these links like the Dominguez, Sabitzer, Sanchez, DePaul, someone who could break up play more and do those kind of things. But man, if you, you could get Baldanzi, I'd be excited about that for, for our future prospects. Cause he looks like a player from what I saw at the uh, under 20 world cup this year. He was, he was pretty good. He, him and uh, Chesede Casade, who's now with Chelsea came through Inter's uh, youth system were really the two stars that took that team to the final. So definitely something to keep an eye on if that rumor, which sprung up for the second time this this summer now, um, has some has some legs to it. A um, couple more questions before we wrap tonight. This one comes from Yasir Alshimi, and this is an interesting one. And he asked, is Tiago Pinto overrated? He may have gotten rid of a lot of dead wood, but his record in getting players is abysmal. Eldor for $18 million, Tammy for $40 million, and Rui Patricio have at most contributed one decent season. Dybala, Awar, and Deacon Montage were opportunistic signings in his opinion. So what do you guys think about that? Would you overrate Pinto? Like, what, what, how, how do you see Pinto right now? First thing before we start this conversation, you cannot call the Tammy Abraham signing a bad signing. I'm sorry. Like, you can't. Um, that first season that he's played for us was fantastic. The second season, the entire offense stunk, and I don't think that's just on Tammy Abraham. Uh and I think that I've noticed that some people are calling him a dud because of his injury, but I don't think that's fair to him either. Uh, so I, we can, we can definitely talk about Eldor Shamuradov being a dud. We can definitely talk about other players being duds, but I think that if you score 20 plus goals in your first season uh, for Roma, I can't call you a dud signing. Uh, I think that was a very good signing on uh, Thiago Pinto's part. We can let, let's continue the conversation from there. <laughs> What do you guys think? What do you, what do you think, Brandon? I'll, I'll let you go first. Okay, I think I think it, the jury is. Uh, yeah, I think it's too soon to say that um, he's un, he's overrated, especially in the acquisition department. I think if you're looking at his ability to get rid of some of the dead wood in this squad, I think he's you have to give him an A plus. Um, correcting the mistakes of transfer windows past um, has kind of been his MO. And so on that alone, I mean, that that's been handicapping Roma for, for years. So on that alone, you have to, you can't really say he's overrated in my mind. And I think in terms of who he's brought in, yeah, it hasn't worked, but let's look at 
the constraints that he's working under. Um, and I think it, 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 you know, it's dependent on him sticking around this long, but I think if once Roma are finally removed from having all of Munchie's misfits on the squad, um, then two or three transfer windows from that, then you can really judge Pinto on who he's brought in. I think, um, so, yeah, sure, Shamordov and some of the other players that he's brought in haven't worked out. But, look, he's he's already loaned out Shamordov once already, um, so has shown an ability to, to quickly correct his mistakes. And Shamordov isn't somebody who's going to be on the squad for five years like Bianca and Chorich. Um, so I think – I don't know. I, it, it seems like a cop-out to say he's fairly rated, but I think the jury's still out a little bit. Yeah, I, I think the jury is out. I think the fact that they still have the FFP stuff to deal with uh, contributes to things. Now, I do definitely give him high marks for clearing out so much of the dead wood. I mean, VR Reynolds and a couple players are still around, Vina, but he's done a really good job of, of clearing out bad salary, especially last summer. Uh, did a really good job of that with, with less wanted players than the ones we have been selling this summer in terms of what they could get for him. Um, Shimordov looks like a terrible signing. Um, I was confused when that signing was made, but I think Jimmy makes a, a great point about Tammy. First season, far from um, you know an abysmal signing, even even considering how poor he was this year. I think there's still potential there. I think there's still resale value when he comes back from his knee injury. Uh, if worse comes to worse, but um, <clears throat> the one thing I will say, some of those free signings, uh, the free agent signings, I think were a bit opp- opportunistic. I think he makes a point there, especially because I think a lot of that is the Mourinho effect too. Um, which is one reason why I, it's hard to really judge Pinto in like a vacuum by himself. Cause I think a lot of what a, a general manager can do has to do with the ownership group behind him. And it also has to do with the manager who he's recruiting players for. And I think Mourinho has a lot of sway with some of these players like the Indica and the IORs and the balls of the world. I don't know if any of those guys come as free agents with a different manager. Definitely not Dybala. Yeah, I would say definitely that, you know, there is a, a certain element of the Mourinho mystique that is helping us get these free agents, which is great because we definitely need as many free agents as possible. Uh, I would also say, though, that, you know, my understanding of how most relationships work between a manager and a GM or director of sport or however you want to call it is that it's a very, you know, osmotic relationship they're working together in a lot of respects um and certain certain clubs have a different balance between who gets more of a say uh than others uh i know that that really depends on a club by club basis sometimes it's very obvious that the manager is basically there because the director of sport chose him to be there and the director of sport really gets the last say uh tottenham springs to mind as a club that is generally you know, director of sport slash GM first, manager second. Um, when it comes to Roma, you know, Mourinho is a huge figure on the international stage in a way that Tiago Pinto, you know, because he's just, I believe, in his mid to late 30s, certainly isn't. But I think it's important to remember that, you know, there's a lot of long-term work that is done by a GM that, you know, a coach simply can't be doing on a day-to-day basis either. 
Uh, and one thing that I've definitely noticed about a lot of these transfers in that we've been seeing over, during Thiago Pinto's tenure is that they seem to come from very long-term interest. A lot of players, a lot of players' agents mention, oh yeah, Thiago Pinto's been talking with us for over a year, uh, and or he's been watching our matches for that long. And that's not something that you hear all the time with other GMs, other directors of sport. So I think as much as you can't separate one from the other, uh, for, I think that there's a lot to be said about how Thiago Pinto has managed things and I think that as much as Mourinho is a unique talent as a manager, for that talent to be even moderately successful, you need to have a GM who can play well with him. And at the very least, I think we can say that Thiago Pinto strikes me as a GM who can play well with Mourinho. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that they, they seem to be getting on pretty good, and I think that has a lot to do with it. And, uh, you know, speaking of the people above the two of them, we had a question. Let me just – I'm, I'm – Cycling through three pages here, so bear with me. Uh, this one was on, I believe, Twitter. Yes. Uh, Staya Rocha asked, why is our management so sadistic? All the silence is killing me, and I'm sure there's more like-minded people. I'm okay with it, to be honest. Uh, let me know when something happens is kind of my MO. So, the, yeah, I, I get as the season is rapidly approaching and you look around and you're still missing a striker and a midfielder, the panic is uh, starting to set in. But I think as the whole, the whole project started with uh, an an unexpected Mourinho announcement. So I think uh, this regime, this regime has shown that, um, you know, it, it does have surprises in store, but at the same time, we know we know who the targets are. We know who they're working towards. So, while the silence can be a little frustrating at times, I, I think we have the right people in place where it hasn't really been bothering me too much. I'm going to go even a step further than Brandon. I love the silence. Do you guys remember the Pelota era? Like that was my that first man, thought. <laughs> that man had so many fights. We're never selling Allison. Like we're, and he said so many stupid things like that. Like he talked about how Marquinhos was going to be like the most important guy. Boom, gone for thirty million euros. <laughs> well, what's his? What's your name was on his lips? It was over for you, right? Yeah, exactly. The moment that Palotta goes out to talk to like Corriere della Sport and like has some bombast, that guy's gone within a month. And even even beyond that, like let's talk about how he handled the Medi Benatia mess. Like we can. We won't ever know the full story there, but one thing I can tell you is that Roma had an issue with a star player who ca- was causing problems reportedly and wanted to leave, and his name was Nicolo Zaniolo. And you know who never said a thing about it, despite reportedly being part of the group that wanted Zaniolo gone? The Freakins. They never talked about it with the press. And that's how an organization should be run. Just very simply, that's how an organization should be run. The like, I think that you can even see it lower down the list. Like, Tiago Pinto does not like blabbermouth all the time, he's pretty buttoned up when it comes to the press asking him questions. And again, I think that's the right way to go. As much as I like Walter Sabatini and his really weird, off color, bizarre interviews at times, like. There is an element where if you give too much information to the press, it's going to be twisted, especially in a massive 
media environment like Rome. So I guess I would say, I think that Mourinho very much knows what his role is off, off the pitch, which is to be the face of the club in many respects. Like Thiago Pinto is not the face of the club. Um, the Friedkins aren't really the face of the club. They're the businessmen behind the club. And at least at this particular moment in time, Mourinho has kind of presented himself as, for better and for worse, the aggressive part of this club's press presence. And personally, I think that's for the best. Uh, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it. And I know that everyone can feel comfortable to have a different opinion on his kind of aggressive relationship with the media. But if I had to choose someone to have a more aggressive relationship with the media in terms of management, I would definitely go with the coach over the GM or the owners. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with the with the silence, so to speak, of the Freakins. They control the money. They make sure the money goes where it has to. I know a lot of people will say, well, they're not spending money. I think part of that's because of the FFP. Um, <clears throat> they've injected plenty of cash into the club. I'm sure they're doing the behind-the-scenes work trying to get the stadium done, but let the manager do the talking about what's happening on the pitch, and and I think it's working just fine, and I, and I, I agree. We don't need any comments where Dan or Ryan comes out and says, oh, you know, we're not selling this guy, and then he sold the next month, especially a, a key member of the squad. So I'm fine with it. Um, a couple more questions to wrap up. A couple fun ones. Uh, Costa by Harry Haran asks, what has been the silliest rumor of silly season that made you go, yep, we ain't topping this one? It's a fun topic, and I don't care about it being restricted to this window, he says. I can't figure out if this one was real or not, which is part of why it's so ridiculous. All the rumblings about... Uh, when Walter Sabatini said he was going to get 10,000 people to come mm. to the airport, that's my that's stuck in my head for forever. Um, the name people say is Ibrahimovic, right? I know, like, and that's what I was yeah. going to say. I feel like Ibrahimovic, think, like, that is the silliest season rumor that I feel like I've ever witnessed. Just because, think about the clubs that Ibrahimovic has, was playing for. Like, it does not, like... Up until recently, like I would, I wouldn't put AC this version of AC Milan necessarily on that level, but like up until then, he was not going to clubs that were not going to win a chip. You know what I mean? No, and he Roma, was a serial winner. He won like every year, pretty much where he yeah, was, right? Yeah. So that's why I was always skeptical about that. But still, there's no one particular rumor that th- takes the cake for me. But again, this is like I'd rather have a GM just kind of shut up. I don't need I don't need someone I don't need a GM promising me that there's going to be ten thousand fans at the airport when we sign Mister X. <laughs> I, I need Mister X to actually get to the get to the training ground. Yeah, I think yeah. that's uh, Bren's favorite uh, transfer rumor as well. I think for me, it's hard to think of a single one. I think going back to Pelota really quickly, I can certainly think of transfers that scared the shit out of me. Um, one being anytime Nanglan was linked away. Um, and especially with Palotte at the, at the helm for all the reasons that you mentioned, but that was anytime he was linked away, that was always kind of like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. I, 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 nothing jumps out of me. I'm sure through the years, there's been ones where I'm like, oh, there's no way that's happening. I, I, the one Jimmy put out there is a great one. I mean, imagine if Zlatan and Totti played together. That would have been something to behold, I think, with the creativity of Totti and the finishing of Ibra, uh, something we can only dream about. Um, <clears throat> uh, just to throw this out there before we get to our last question, I just saw Nicolas Schiera posted four hours ago, Alvaro Morata's deal. 
His release clause is $21 million, according to Skira. Uh, salary with Atletico is $6.5 million for this coming season, $5.5 million for the next uh, couple seasons after that. Inter offered Atleti $12 million plus $3 million in bonuses and a salary of five for the player. Uh, AS Roma offered a contract until 2027 of $4.5 million a year. Uh, nothing about any kind of uh, you know offer monetary for Atletico there, and Juve are at the window. So that's the latest update on Morata's situation that I saw from uh, four hours ago, which is pretty late in Europe, which is about close to midnight in Europe at that time. So that's too um, rich for my blood. Yeah, um, a long contract. That, that that's that's my hesitation with Morata. Like Morata, I'm okay with like a two year deal, which nobody's going to come for a two year deal. So I guess you have to go three, and that puts you at 2026. 20, four year deal to me seems like a long contract. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd like to pass on that if possible. For a player, Mourinho wants and Mourinho might not be here for more than one year, right? So, like, that's yeah. that's my hesitation with that move. But I just had to throw that in there because I just saw it on my Twitter feed as I was uh, uh, getting ready to read our last question. Uh, the last one we'll end with. So, last week we ended with cake or pie, and this week Kuplowski asked pizza or burger? Oh, this is easy. Pizza. Yeah, All no day, kidding. every day. Yeah, pizza. Clean sweep. It's got to be pizza. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll leave it there. Um, Hopefully something happens in the next week or so for us to really get excited about with Roma, some kind of signing, maybe a couple more deadweight players head out the door. And, um, you know, the the Mercato starts to get moving in the right direction with, uh, I guess, just about a month until kickoff on the season. We're on July 18th right now. Roma's got just over a month before their first match against Empoli. Guys, anything you want to leave the listeners with before we log off tonight? Just going to continue to keep speaking Isco to Roma into existence. And um, thank you all for listening. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to be speaking into existence, Fati Conti in the senior, in the senior lineup. Okay. And, uh, you know, Brandon, maybe that mutual hatred of Monchi will, will make that come to fruition now after all your years of prying. Hey, while we were talking, I had the, (laughs) Oh, sure. It pulled up on the Roma site to see what it was like. So. <laughs> nice. What number did you choose? 22. 20, I think okay. that might be taken now, but it is. Um, yeah. But that, that was his Madrid number. So I was going with that. But yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see. All right. So we thank you guys for listening. We thank you for all of your listener questions and topics to talk about during these kind of dog days of Roma's Mercato this summer. So uh, we'll catch you again soon.